I've entitled this um, this devotion, Press On to Revival, Press On to Revival. And I'm just going to use one scripture text. Uh, it's found in Psalm 79, and we're going to look at um, verses 9 and 10. I think it was 2020, the January of 2020, that I learned about this United Prayer Call. I was scheduled to go to the Foundations Conference in New York City. I had registered at the last minute. Uh, I was unable to go. But prior to that, I had been praying for many years, many, many years for revival. Um, It seemed to me that it was not a topic that was in discussion too much so in the church. And yet I kept wondering to myself, why are we not seeing and why are we not experiencing, you know, genuine, authentic visitations of the Holy Spirit that moved the church? I began to wonder, where are all the preachers who who used to preach and, and used to move people? As I read the writings of some great men of God like Leonard Ravenhill and A.W. Tozer and Martin Lloyd-Jones, E.M. Bounds, J.C. Ryle, a lot of the Puritan writers, I noticed that there was a marked difference in their experience in Christ, something that we did not see too much of, a fear of God, a desire for holiness in an experience of the new birth. Salvation to these men was not merely a set of doctrinal beliefs that we agreed upon. It just seems so much more. Their walks with Christ were evidenced by much more authority, much more power. There was an intimacy in their fellowship with God. Simply put, many of these men experienced the presence of God. Their faith was their life. They were not separate and distinct. And I knew immediately that What I wanted was a deeper fellowship with the Lord and a greater intimacy with the Holy Spirit. I wanted to be Spirit-led and Holy Ghost-empowered. I knew that everything in me had to change. And this brings me to the issue of revival, because that is the very purpose of this call. We are here to pray for revival for great, a great awakening among the church, the remnant church of God. And the church needs to return to the Holy Ghost power in which it was birthed. And we need to get away. We need to move away from the methods and the pragmatism that has seemed to prevail in the church for many, many, many years. Look at me at our te- Look with me at our text today, Psalm 79 verses 9 and 10. The psalmist writes, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? You know, the historical background to this text comes with the destruction of Jerusalem and Babylon in 586, and the destruction in Jerusalem by the Babylonians in 586. These are the days of Jeremiah the prophet, who had forewarned Judah for the longest time that God was going to send judgment upon the nation 
for their rebelliousness and their sin. And Jeremiah the prophet was mocked. He was considered a false prophet by the very false prophets themselves. But yet what happened, the city of God was destroyed. The temple was ransacked and desecrated. The people were taken captive and carted off into captivity. It was a dark day for the nation Israel. Pagan and demonic forces descended upon God's city. And the chosen people, because of their rebellion and their rejection of God, it is a remnant in Asa that cries to God in this psalm. They are broken. He is broken. And I want to emphasize that. He is broken for the glory of God, for the name of God, and the reputation of God. And it is conceivable that many in Israel called on the name of the Lord God, for lack of a better term, to save their own hides, or to, you know, to be set free from the captivity, but the judgment had come. But yet Asaph calls out to God in brokenness, and he cries out to the Lord, and he says to the Lord, help us, O God of our salvation. Church, an equal invasion has happened upon our nations and even upon the church of God. Godless and demonic forces have overrun the culture and even some of the churches. The philosophies have infiltrated the church and churches are contending with issues like homosexuality and transgenderism. They're contending with issues like the lack of uh, the authority of the Word of God and the denial of the Word of God. And the question for us is how do we stand against this tide, against this tsunami of degeneracy that has come falling upon us? And it's, in, it, it, it's pretty simple. God's remnant people need to come together to pray, to repent for the sins of the nation, to repent for the sins in the church, and to be burdened, to be genuinely burdened for God's glory, for the name of God and the reputation of God. In our text, one hears the desperation in the words of the psalmist. Help us, help us, O oh God, of our salvation. It is the cry of one who is who is desperate, who is desperately in need. There is a there is a desperateness in the heart. As we look out on the landscape of our nations and experience a tidal wave, this is a, a tsunami of a sinful society that is falling upon us. Do we as a church, do we as a people of God? Have desperateness in our prayers to God. Are we broken over the sin of our nation? Or are we indifferent to the changing culture? We see so much of it. It becomes so easy to become indifferent to it. But to the believer, it should break our hearts. We should be mourning over the things that we see taking place in our society. The psalmist goes on, he says, Help us, O God, our salvation for the glory of thy name, and deliver us. Notice that the psalmist heartache 
is for the glory of the name of God. What do we speak when, what, what do we mean when we speak of the glory of the name of God? That God would be worshipped. That God would be exalted. That the gospel would advance. That many would come to Christ. That is why I pray for revival. That we should have a burden for the glory of God. We need to ask ourselves, as Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, have you got a zeal for the glory of God? If this is a burden that can come to anybody, why hasn't it come to you? Have we grown so accustomed to living in a world where sin and our problems are so big and God is so small? Well, we know that Scripture speaks to the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of God. Have we yet to apprehend by faith the magnitude of his power? I fear, this is a real fear of mine, but I fear that we have rationalized God to work in order with this world rather than ordering the events of this world. We desperately, desperately need revival. Our spiritual eyes need to be opened and our hearts awakened to the God who spoke all things into existence. To Christ who upholds all things by the word of his power. For the glory of thy name we need to pray, deliver us, O God. The psalmist goes on to say, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Church, our sins of unbelief, unfaithfulness, indifference must be brought to Christ and must be repented of. We must return to the God of our salvation so that the world would see God's glory in the church. And it is time for God's people to be distinguished from all the other peoples on the earth. Moses thought about this in Exodus 33, 16, in his great dialogue with God. He asked this question and he poses this premise before the Lord. Exodus 33, 16, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated and I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Brothers and sisters, the need is now. It's now for us as believers to seek God for his presence, for his spirit, to seek God for revival of the hearts, for the glory of God, so that the church, as in the words of Moses, Shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are on the face of the earth? That we as the church will be counted as different, not because of our political stances, not because of our religious distinctives, but rather that we are a people that walk with God, a people who know their God, and a people who are known by their God. The psalmist continues 
And he goes on to say, wherefore should the heathen say, where is their God? This is an interesting phrase here. In ancient times, in ancient times, it was thought that if you conquered a capital, if you conquered a city, if you conquered a nation, you defeated their God. The Babylonians, the pagan Babylonians, upon the ransack of Jerusalem, were boasting all about that they had defeated the God of Israel. And yet we see this today in our culture. The heathens are boasting. They're boasting all over the place of the end of God, of the end of Christianity. Every day you hear of another quote, Christian, deconverting. Let me say something to that. There's no such thing as deconverting. What it is, is they were never converted to begin with. They were the ones in whom the seed fell on rocky soil, and when the riches of the world and the troubles of the world came together, they fell away. They have not deconverted. But the world abounds uh, uh, with these stories. There are websites dedicated to the testimonies of those that are deconverting. More and more, you're hearing supposed ex uh, experts saying that, you know, the death of the church and more and more people are falling away from the church and they quote all these statistics, but don't you be deceived. Because much of what they quote are just goats walking away. The true remnant people of God, the elect people of God, will hold and we will continue to hold to the Lord. However, there is no doubt, there is no doubt today that God is being blasphemed in ways that 20, 30 years ago were unimaginable. And we cannot and must not sit by while this happens. Church, we must anguish over the state of our nations and the church. And like the psalmist, call for God to move once again upon his church, to move upon his elect, and bring revival and awakening. That is what the intent of this call is. And as a result, we as the people of God must be burdened for such revival. Daniel 9.19, the prophet says this, Oh Lord, at the end of his great prayer there, he cries out, Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake. Oh my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. It's not enough to casually pray for revival. Instead, we must press on with the same intensity, with the same vigor, with the same vitality. We must press on. We must be burdened. We must continually raid the throne of God with our petitions so that God would indeed hear, that God would indeed send revival, that the church would be restored and that the glory of Christ would fill his church again, a church that is vibrant, a church that is bold, a church that is holy, 
and fears the name of God. We must press on for the reputation of our God and be burdened for the glory of Christ. Leonard Ravenhill says this, if we would return to apostolic practice of waiting upon the Lord for apostolic power, we could then go forth to apostolic possibilities. He says, the church must first repent, then will break. The church must first weep, then our altars will be filled with weeping penitence. Church, let us not grow weary in our petitions to the Lord for revival. Nor let us continue to press on in casualness. Let not our prayers become ritual, formalistic, or rote. But with Holy Ghost zeal and diligence, let us prevail upon the throne of God until such time that the Lord of glory hears our cries and sends forth revival for his name's sake, and that the whole earth would be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters fill the sea. May God bless his word today. Amen.